Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Here's what it says in Revelation 13, 11 through 18. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the, the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And it deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Now, for those of you who had read ahead and knew this is what we're going to talk about and you were looking forward to this Sunday, so the pastor would tell you what 666 stands for, what it means, that we're going to give you some wisdom and insight what that is. Uh, you're free to go. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to stay if you don't want to because I'm not going to do that today. Uh, I, I've looked, done enough research in that to know that that's probably a dead-end street, probably not one we're going to go down today, but we, we will look at it. So... But I do want to look at Revelation 13, the first 10 verses. So let's make sure we just review who that other beast is because we're, this one it says another beast coming up out of the earth. So there had to be a first beast and there is a second beast. So let's go back and look at a little bit at the first beast. And then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns ten crowns and on his heads a blasphemous name. And the beast was, uh, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. We're going to stop right there just for a minute. Let's get this picture. He's coming up out of the bottomless pit. Now it says here the sea. It says in two other locations that that is the bottomless pit. He's coming up out of the bottomless pit. Who's in the bottomless pit? That's disobedient spirits are in the bottomless pit. So when you're looking at this that is called the beast, no, it is a spirit that's coming up there. This is not a human. Some will look at that and say, this is the Antichrist. This is the spirit of that Antichrist. This is not the Antichrist. He has to have a human that he's going to be in. Just like the Babylon had Nebuchadnezzar to be the, the, the expression of it, just like uh, Persia had Cyrus to be an expression of it, and Greece had Alexander to be an expression of it, and Rome to have Julius Caesar to be an expression of it. So does the, the, uh, the beast. He'll have a human expression for what he is. But this is a spirit. And this spirit has united with other spirits. There are seven heads on this thing. And if you get the picture, these seven heads represent the seven kingdoms there have already been. There has already been Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, uh, uh, then Persia, Greece, Rome. Those have already been. There's one more to go. The number seven is yet to go. And that's the one that this beast is going to represent. Everybody with me so far? All right. Here we go. The spirit that is an Elohim or a son of God. That's what this is. This is one of the original uh, inhabitants of the heavens that God created on day one. When God created the heavens and the earth, this was one of them that was there. Now, he's perverted himself from what he was when he was created because of disobedience, so he has an uglier appearance than he did before. But kids, you need to get the picture of this, that if, if we could be in heaven on the day things were created, we might have seen some peculiar things that we don't understand. Because I'm telling you, there's a physics in heaven that doesn't work here. And we don't have the same kind of thing that goes there. However, things that are there have some sort of revelation here. 
Because things that are there, like for instance, there was an eagle, wings. There was a, 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 a different beast and so forth. Those become the model for the ones that we get to have here on our planet. They're the model for it. Yet, that's not what we would have, uh, that they'd look different than we would have thought. We would have been shocked at some of the things that were in the early heavens. Everybody see where I'm at? This creature has perverted himself by disobedience, and this is the appearance that John sees him as. He is combined with all the principalities that have been before so that he now shows himself for what he is. This is the seed of Satan. This was the one that Satan was going to bring up in the end. This was the one Satan was going to plan to destroy the seed of God, the seed of the woman, the the coming Christ. That was his plan to destroy it. But hang in there. we got some good things to tell you about that in just a minute. This one is those who have shown themselves. As you can see, uh, the description that Daniel had given to us in Daniel 7, these seven horns, the the appearance of the beast was like a leopard. Well, that was just like what Alexander was in Greece. That was the beast that was showed up in Daniel 7. It it was like uh, the feet of a bear. That was exactly what Persia was when it showed up. It was like the uh, mouth of a lion. That's what Babylon was when it showed up. So what you have now is all the, the terrifying things that were in those kingdoms are now showing up for the one who is behind it all. Now he's here, full power. He's ready to go. He is the revised, revisited, revitalized Roman Empire. So your first blank there is the revitalized, restored Roman Empire. And get this picture. Because he's a spirit, you need to understand this. Heaven and earth are both engaged in this this conflict. This isn't just about what's happening on earth. Earth is the stage. It isn't just about people. So can I say this? Swallow your ego. It isn't about us. This is about heaven and earth. This is about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth and the great conflict that's going on in it, not just simply about us. And this conflict that's going to go on, is it going to involve creatures that you don't see normally every day? It's going to involve beings you don't get to see and acknowledge every day. It's going to involve all kinds of wickedness that went on. It's going to involve all kinds of powers that went on that you don't get to see very often. You know, I've, I've been amazed as I've looked recently here. Are you watching all the things that are going on in space just now? Are you keeping an eye on what's going on? If not, get get nerdy for a little while and get science, okay? Start looking at the things that are going on. We're right now in that 11-year cycle where the sun uh, is going to change its uh, magnetic poles going from the north to the south. It's switching those around, and as it's doing it, sunspots are appearing, and those sunspots are also bringing up solar flares, and those solar flares are shooting at the earth. And our magnetic uh, field is usually blocking some of those, but we're having some of the best uh, auroras we've had in a long, long time. They're being seen a long way. Matter of fact, there was one the other day that was the longest aurora borealis ever recorded. That's coming from those solar flares. Now, they are electromagnetic, and they affect the satellites surrounding our country. I should say our country, our planet. It's knocking some of the satellites out of their orbit. There are peculiar things going on there. There are uh, meteors coming that are pretty big. They've been coming on their way. Earthquakes are happening, kids, incredibly. Unless you bother to look at those things, you're not going to know it because that's not something you get to hear about in, in all the media. I just have to be nerdy enough, I look for that stuff. And I like to go see what's going on with it. There's a lot going on. Matter of fact, could be that some of the solar flares are what's been affecting our um, uh, communication systems. They can mess them up pretty good. They can mess up a whole lot of things. Um, More about that later. But for right now, let's get this. He's doing something, kids. If you haven't got the picture that God's doing something, then you need to get that picture. He is doing something. He is preparing his world as he always has been. He's preparing his world for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's about finished with what he's going to do with this age. 
and is about about to begin a new one. You're engaged in that whether you want to be or you don't. You can say, I'm ignorant of it. I'd just about as soon be ignorant of it. You can be ignorant of all, all you want. But the day that earthquake hits and the day that the solar flare affects everything and you're wondering, what's going on? You just look back and say, that's what that guy was trying to tell us on July 10th in 2022. We thought he was a nut. Well, you weren't wrong in your estimate. I'm not going to tell you that. But I am going to say this. What I'm telling you is what's happening in your world, and you're a part of this spiritual conflict, whether you want to be or you don't. Because it's not about you. You're a part of it. But it's really about the reclamation of God's planet. It's really about the reclamation and restoration of all things as he created in the beginning. It's all about his long suffering coming to a close and his judgment finally doing what the heavens have been asking him to do for a long time. This beast, he will take over a human being and then he'll be known as the Antichrist. That human being will be known as Antichrist. This is the seed of Satan becoming incarnate. Kids, to see what, God is, what, what Satan is attempting to do to make himself believable. He knows what the Word of God says. He's not ignorant of the Word of God, but he's not a creator. Therefore, he can't create stories. So what he's done is looked at the story that God has, and he's found out in the Word of God that God has a son. So what is he going to do? He's going to create a son. And it's going to be like father, like son. This son that he's created looks just like the dragon. This is the way he is trying to imitate what God has been doing for one specific purpose. For everybody who's read the word of God and knows this is what's going to take place, he can make himself the exact imitation of that and you'll worship him instead. You remember what he said he wanted to do? was to be like God. So that's what he's going to do, is be like God. Let me go on further. He was given great powers of conquest and domination through deceit, murder, intimidation, and propaganda. We said that's clear from what had happened in the seal number one, where it was a writer who has no arrows, but he does have a bow, and he's going out conquering. And we said that part of what he's done there. Matter of fact, I want you to take it now Put your finger right here. Go back to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Because here's a description of that last day's willful king and what he's going to be like. And this is what the Antichrist is going to look like. This is how he is empowered by this beast to do these things. Verse 29, please. I'm sorry, not 29. 36. Pick up verse 36. Then the king shall do according to his own will. That's why he's called a willful king. So he's going to do what he wants to do. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. He shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, which we found out he was going to do also, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. So until God is finished with the wrath, this guy is going to get to prosper. Go on further. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place, instead of all those desirable things, in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, a God of power, and a God which his fathers did not know he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. That's the description of what the Antichrist is going to do. That's short description, but that's the description of what the Antichrist, empowered by the beast, is going to be doing. All right? Let me go to letter D with you. He enters the historical scene just before the tribulation and continues for its duration. So I was at the platform up again. Here's the time timeline again. This time the beginning of the tribulation. The pulpit area is the middle of the tribulation. And over here is the end of the tribulation. 
So before these first three and a half years of the tribulation, things seem to be going kind of good. You've got two witnesses operating in Jerusalem. They're doing some fantastic things there. They're leading people. You've got 144,000 Jewish evangelists who've been leading people to Christ, and Israel is now being restored to faith in Christ. Somebody is rebuilding a worship area. I think it'll be a temple, but it might be the tabernacle. I don't know. All it requires is there must be an altar and a place for sacrifice. All right? That's all that's required from that. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. But in addition, while all those wonderful things seem to be happening, you also have had an antichrist, this empowered human being that is conquering all kinds of peoples. He is persecuting as many of the followers of Christ as he can wherever he goes. If he finds followers of Christ in whatever new land he's conquering, he's murdering them. He's martyring them. They're, they're dead. They're done. He is going on so he might conquer Israel. He wants to conquer Jerusalem. On the day that he conquers Jerusalem, he's coming to the place where they're offering sacrifices. He's causing the sacrifice to stop, and he will blaspheme against God and take up the position as if he is God himself. He causes all people to worship. That's what we're reading about. He's causing all these people to be worshiping him. Then comes the last half of the tribulation. This is the hardest time ever on the face of the earth. You have the combination of the Antichrist and Satan both conquering and going after God's people. And there is martyrdom going on like crazy. They are slaughtering people right and left. In addition to that, the seven bowls of God's wrath are being poured out. That's destroying more humanity. There is a bloody, bloody, violent time going on in this last half. This last half ends with the destruction of the beast and the prophet, the one we'll read about in a minute. The, the Antichrist all is done in at that point, and Christ coming back again. I kind of give you a, a nutshell of where we're, we're headed today. He enters this thing. So where you had seen him rise up out of the sea, this is where he starts, back at the beginning of this whole tribulation. He's working his way through. He's conquering. He's doing all kinds of things there. All right. Letter E. He's powered, enthroned, and authorized by the dragon, by Satan. That's, that's what it had said about him earlier. It says in verse 2, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. At this point, you can imagine the dragon feeling like he's pretty much in control. He's got everything planned just like he thought he was going to, and that's why I wanted to bring this up. God is behind this revelation of the beast. In other words, the beast didn't rise up on his own. The beast didn't decide, and Satan didn't decide when he's going to do this. Satan does not work on his own time clock, kids. He is working in God's time clock. It is God who stirred up the seas to bring each of the four beasts out in the book of Daniel. And it is God who's stirring up the sea now. Look with me. This was such a good deal. Let's, let's go back just for a minute to Revelation 10. I want to show you something here. Revelation 10. I want you to look at verse, verses 1 and 2 with me first. Uh, the sixth angel has already sounded. We've got the seventh angel that's got to sound his trumpet here. But notice what it says here in the first two verses. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud. So that's what John is seeing. And a rainbow was on his head. What's the rainbow from? What's the rainbow a symbol of? God's covenant with God about some promise he's made about how he's going to destroy the earth. His face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book in his hands, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So let's, let's kind of get this picture. He's coming down, glorious thing to be seen. He's got a little book in his hand, and he takes his feet purposely, plants them one on the land, one on the sea. He's got the feet planted. Now he's going to do something else. Let's take a look at the next thing he does. Let's pick up in uh, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be no longer delay. Wait a minute. Why does he go through all that? 
Why does he make such a statement? He puts his foot on the land, and he's going to raise his hand to swear by the one who created the land. In other words, I'm calling the land back to God, into the sea. I'm calling the sea back to God. Raise hand to heavens. I'm calling the heavens back to God. Everybody follow me? He's swearing to the one who created the earth and everything in it. That's, I, I thought when I first read it, well, of course, yeah, that, no. He's wanting you to know there isn't anything in the earth that I didn't create. Everybody with me? And he's speaking to the sea. There isn't anything in the sea I didn't create. Let me ask you something. Where's the beast coming from? The sea. Who created the beast? My father did. So in other words, this isn't Satan's time clock that's at work. It is God's time clock at work. God is saying, wait a minute, I know what you're doing. I know you've got a conspiracy going on here. I know you think you've got it, this thing that's happening. I'm going to reveal you now. I'm done with this. <laughs> Seas open, here he is. Now he's got to do something. He's got his, land, his, his foot on the land. Where's the second beast coming from? The land. He's got even that one under control. This one's coming up in God's timetable, not their own. Because God is sovereign, kids. Now you say, what difference does that make to us? Fear nothing but God. Fear nothing but God. In other words, this is not a, a, a struggle between two great entities. No, this is a rebel that's been planning things in the dark so that he could do things against Almighty God. And God just said, hey, want to see what's in the dark? Look at this. This is his beast he's created in the dark. Look at this beast. This is the one he's created in the dark. Now they're revealed. What's Satan got to do now? He's got to play his hand now, kids. He has to play his hands. That's what's going on here. But everybody following? So here's what I want you to do. Don't panic. You are a people who are watching things happening right now that are incredible. What an honor it is to be alive right now, guys. You're seeing things open up. Why are they opening up? Because the God who's had an angel put a foot on the land and a foot on the sea and has all the heavens covered as well is making things exposed that weren't exposed before. The little conspiracies that have been going on underneath, little um, cockroaches have been planted out all this time. He's exposed them. They're out there where you can see them now. And that doesn't matter. Listen, Satan is the author of all conspiracies. Follow where we're coming from? Every little conspiracy that's going on on this planet is coming from its author. And there are plenty of conspiracies going on. There are plenty of conspiracies to take over all kinds of things, kids. Don't be surprised when you hear them. But know this, that the one who has a foot on the land and a foot on the sea and a hand in the air is fully in charge. He's letting you see this is what it looks like. This is who they are. This is what it's about. Now he says, little flock, get back to Psalm 37 and hang in there with me. Do not fret when you see this. Do not envy when you see this. But instead, trust in the Lord. Do good. Live in the land. Do as I've told you to do. I'm about to bring this whole thing to a close. Now that's the point at which you say, glory. Kids, he really is in charge. Oh. Give me just one more. Revelation 14. Let's go to Revelation 14. He wants us to know that there isn't anything that happened on the earth that I didn't create. There's not anything that happened in the seas that I didn't create. There's nothing happening in the heavens that I didn't create. This is all mine, and I'm the one that's in charge of it. Look at Romans, or Romans, Revelation 14. There's an angel who's going to be speaking again. Uh, Revelation uh, 14, 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven. Where did, the, uh, uh, where did this uh, angel hold his hand up? 
in the heavens. So here's what's happening in the heaven. He saw this angel who's having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. So whatever this is, the gospel, the good news that this angel is about to proclaim is everlasting. It's been the one that's been there since the beginning. It's the one who'll be there at the end. This is the everlasting gospel. Now watch what it is. He said, he's going to preach to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. What did he just tell us? What did he want us to know? This is the everlasting gospel God created the heavens and the earth. That's the everlasting gospel. Everybody follow that? He created everything that's in the heavens, that's in the earth. Stop believing people who are telling you, no, it didn't come that way. It came through chance. It came through evolution. And based on that, here's the, the governmental plan we should have. No. No, guys, that isn't the governmental plan we should have. We aren't evolving into a special government. We're changing all the time. That's true. But we're not evolving into a pleasant world. This one that said that all things are evolving says, no, we've just been in an evolutionary moment that's been changing things throughout. And and what do you know, old Mr. Hegel, come back here in the middle of the 19th century, came upon this re- re- uh, resolution, a revelation that all of history is just about conflict that goes on, and that conflict finally resolves itself in a utopia. That's what Karl Marx believed. That's what Frederick Ingalls believed. That's what Lenin believed. That's what Stalin believed. That's what Mao believed, that if you can get rid of all the bad folk, all you got left is the good folk and utopia. That all comes from the people who believe this whole thing evolved. Why is it the everlasting God that God created? Why is it the everlasting gospel that God created the heavens and the earth? Because that's the only place there's hope, kids. If he created the heavens and the earth, and he says he's going to have a new heavens and new earth, you can be sure we're going to have a new heavens and new earth. That's what makes it the gospel. That's what makes it everlasting. God is the one who's in charge, not others. Well, I'll probably beat that horse dead. Let's, let's, let's move on to point number two. Let's go to the second beast and go to Revelation 13. Notice this. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Let's start with the out of the earth. He says that he saw another beast. In Greek, there's two ways to say another. You could say another using the word hetero. Hetero. It's, it's another, but it's of a different kind. We, we use the word in a lot of a different uh, 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 applications. One that we use today is heterosexual. What do I mean by heterosexual? That involves something that's another of the same kind or another one that's like that, but it's different. So you have a male and a female. That's heterosexual. It's hetero. They're both human, but one's male and one's female, which, by the way, is the way God created it so that you would have reproduction taking place, all right? That's the word hetero. There's another word that's called allo, which means something of the same kind. It may look different, but it's of the same kind, period. This beast is an allo beast. So it's not a human that's coming up out of the earth. It is another spirit that's coming up out of the earth that's just like the first beast. Everybody with me so far? So this is a spirit that's coming up. This spirit's also going to have to have a human to be a part of, but it's a spirit that's coming up because it's another beast just like the first beast was. Now, having said that, it's not unusual that spirits have been kept. Let's let's look at uh, Revelation 9, 14, and 15. Revelation 9, 14, and 15. It's not unusual for beasts to be kept in the earth. Look what he said here. 
Then the sixth angel sounded, verse 13 says, And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Where were they? They were at the river Euphrates. They were bound in the earth. They were not in the sea. He's not bringing them out of the sea. He's bringing these out of the earth. So this beast that's coming up is coming up out of the earth. It's not unusual for them to be uh, stored and kept there. There is no detailed description given of this, of the appearance of this one, if you would. <clears throat> Consider this. It says to us, back to chapter 13, <clears throat> it says that, in, in verse uh, 12, he exercises, oh, I'm sorry, verse one, or 11, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. As soon as I saw the two horns and I'm remembering the beasts and so forth, I was thinking back, who had two horns? There was somebody in Daniel that had two horns, and there was. There was a, 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 a ram that had two horns, and that ram was Persia. And Persia got up and was uh, out of the earth and was uh, conquering all kinds of people in Babylon. And later, a goat with a single horn right in the middle of his head uh, stomped that, that ram, made bits and pieces out of it. That lamb, it had two horns like a lamb. Okay. So those are, those are short, stubby little things. Am I, am I speaking the truth there? Are the horns of a lamb are short, stubby? Are you shepherds there? Yeah, they're, what's that? Depends on the lamb. Oh, that's good. I need to talk to more about that. Uh, but it, anyway, there is the gentleness of appearance. Now, now we had uh, we had goats, which are a little bit different, and and the two the two bucks that we had. Uh, one day I'm looking out there, and I could hear the goats just getting all excited, and. Uh, our oldest son was on a log. A big, big tree had fallen. He was on that, uh, that log with them, and uh, they were challenging him. They had got up on the log with him. He was up on the log with him, and they were backing up like this, butting at him like that. Well, he started backing up with them like that, butting heads with them. And I thought, I, I don't know who's going to win that one, but I got a feeling I need to bring that one to a halt real quick. The little, they, they had a cute appearance. They were mean little rascals. I don't care what it was. I'll tell you, they tasted great. All right? <laughs> but my, my point is this. It has a gentle appearance, but it also reminds me of something else. There are two witnesses that had come to Israel, both prophets. In the earlier part of that tribulation, two witnesses had been there. And here, this counterfeit also will have two witnesses. All right? He has that gentle appearance. Then I noticed also it says it speaks like a dragon. I had to admit, as soon as I read that one, I thought, that's smog. And I was hearing, <laughs> well, what's, I, I never get the guy's name then. I know he's got something to do with a cum, cumber or cucumber or something like that. Anyway, it's his voice. Who are you? And I'm thinking, what is this dragon speaking like? I don't think it's about the tone of his voice as it is what a dragon does. What dragon do we know about? The one we know most about is that great scarlet red dragon, the devil himself, right? So here's what we've had. He's speaking like a dragon. That's a wild contrast to a lamb. I got that. But I know this. When the dragon speaks, he always speaks with deceit, with persuasion, and with credibility. He speaks as if he knows what he's talking about. When, he's, when he is deceiving Eve, he speaks as if he really knows what he talks about. He understands all kinds of things. He's using deceit. He's using credibility. And he's using persuasion. You'll not surely die. Whoever this person is, whoever this creature is, this spirit knows how to speak deceitfully, persuasively, and with great credibility. All right? Let's move on. We don't have a, other, any other description of him than that. We have descriptions of his function, not his appearance. He's functioning as a priest and prophet. And later, he's even going to be called the false prophet. He has the same power as the first beast. Notice what it says about him. 
It says, he performs great signs, verse 13 says, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Hold that little thought in your mind for a moment. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great and rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. This guy, this person, this being has all kinds of power that he's using. He uses the same authority as the first beast does. He causes all the earth dwellers, that's unbelievers, to worship the first beast and whose, whose deadly wound was healed. So this first beast when he gets someplace here to the uh, middle of the tribulation, somewhere in there, this guy who has been the Antichrist is going to be assassinated. And once he's assassinated, everybody thinks it's over until he raises from the dead. And kids, that's, I don't think this is about an appearance. He raises from the dead. He comes back again from the dead. And with that, all people are now, that's got to be the Christ, Right? The reason Jews didn't accept Jesus the first time is that he didn't set them free from the Romans. What was Messiah supposed to do? Messiah had big thing he's supposed to do as the son of David was supposed to be conquer the Romans and set up a good Jewish empire. Jesus didn't do that. He died. That's why our... Um, our team called him the son of Joseph, the one who had to die for the sins of the people. There is a second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ where he will be the son of David, and he is going to come back as the conquering one. But because he didn't conquer, he's not the Messiah. If you're a Jewish person and you're listening to this persuasive guy talk, and you're listening and you're watching all the miracles this guy is going to do. And then you, and he's conquered everything. He's now in Jerusalem as a conqueror who has conquered all the rest of the worlds. And you see him assassinated. And within a short period of time, you see him live again. What are you going to think of him? This is the Messiah. This is the one we've all been waiting for. Why? Because he's... He's incarnate. He always does the will of his father. That's what this one is doing. He has now conquered all the lands around. He set up his throne in Jerusalem. He's been, or been, he's been killed and raised again. This has to be the Messiah. That was his point. That was what he wanted to do. That's what he tried to do. All right, let me go on further. He performs great signs such as fire coming down from heaven. Um, what, what happened with Elijah and the, uh, the prophets of Baal? He set up this battle with him. And the uh, prophets of Baal, he said, why don't you go ahead and call down fire from heaven and have the, your offering there taken? The prophets of Baal could not do it. But Elijah could. And with Elijah doing that, what will it make this look like when that beast is coming, when that second beast is coming like? We already know, Scripture say in Malachi, Elijah has to come first before you can recognize Messiah. So now you've got Elijah, this new guy, calling down fire from heaven and fire from heaven falls. He's got to be the Elijah. That's what's got to make this beast the Messiah, the one we've all been waiting for, okay? With these signs, he deceives the nations to believe him and the first beast, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, we'll get to that in just a minute, and to make an image of the first beast to worship. Let's go ahead and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 just for a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you still with me? Is your head fried right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So this is the guy we're talking about. 
and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what's, what's happening now? We're having a great delusion come, a great deception come, and now all these signs are being done in Jerusalem so that all the world can look and see the beast must be the right one. This Antichrist must, in fact, be the Messiah. And they're believing that because God's now sending them a delusion so that they can believe it. They're going to believe it. They've seen all the signs. They've seen what, let's go back to Revelation 13. It says about him in verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he's granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So the image, the, the beast itself has been wounded now. The, and he's now saying, make an image of it. And as soon as they make that image of him, look what happens. He was, granted to give, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Wow, guys. That is what's taking place now. He's going to have everybody worshiping him, and everybody who doesn't worship him is going to die. And that this... this Second beast has the power to bring breath into him so that he speaks. Now, uh, you know, there's something I noted here. Scriptures say what they say, and they don't say what they don't mean. It doesn't say to bring him back to life again. It says to cause him to breathe and to speak. Now, I, I know that may sound a little crazy, but let me just share this with you. Let me take you back to creation a moment. Back here at creation, how did God make people? He picked up dirt and made an image. And then he blew the breath of life into that dirt, and it became living. It could live, breathe, and speak. If you're wanting to prove that you are the true God to be worshiped, does it not make sense that you would make an image that you could breathe into and it would speak? No wonder they're going to believe, kids. No wonder they're going to believe, all right? He also causes to be executed all those who will not worship the image. So after he's made the image breathe and speak, the people are dying who do not worship the image. He causes all to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads without which one cannot buy or sell anything. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about the mark. It says here in verse 18 or verse 17 and 18 first, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, honestly, there are manuscript evidence that says this number was not 666, but 616. It can be 666 or 616, and I still won't understand it. Okay? I don't want to speculate who that is. I don't know what he means, that it's the number of a man. Here's what I know will happen. Everybody alive at that time will know what that means. Everybody will. It's not going to be a mystery to anybody at that time. Maybe a mystery to us, but it's not a mystery to them. People have said this is uh, Nero. Kids, even if you can make Nero's name come up to 666 using all the gematria that you want to, all the little symbols for that, you can do that all you want. Nero's dead and gone, and he didn't get done what this is happening. So it wasn't Nero. You can make a be Adolf Hitler, but he's dead and gone. The one that it's going to be is the one that rises up out of the sea and the one that inhabits a human being and becomes whoever it is. I don't know who that is. So I'm not going to try to speculate and tell you what 666 is about. I know that it's the number of a man, 
whatever that means. I hope that's not disappointing to you, but here's what I hope will be informative to you. These things are true and will happen just as he has said. You're living in the days just prior to that. These are the last days. What can we do? Well, good. Let me go on with that. So John's world. Let's talk about this prophecy itself. John's world and what God shows him. First of all, Jewish prophecy. John is a committed believer to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a committed believer to God Almighty. And he knows this, that what he's writing about is connected to what was happening back here with Daniel. And those prophecies back here with Daniel involve beasts. It involved conquest. It involved the future. It involved time. And he knows that. So he's got that whole Jewish prophecy in him. He's got all the prophecies between Daniel <coughs> and the time of, of the writing of this book. All those prophecies that talked about Messiah, all the things that happened during that whole period known as Second Temple Judaism, all of that is on his mind. But let me also say, John lives in a Greek world. And in that Greek world, there is uh, mythologies that are out there. There's one particular mythology that's related to what we're speaking of here. In just a little while, we're going to come to the chapter that helps us deal with, there was a lady riding a beast. A lady riding a beast. Let me just share with you, that also is part of Greek mythology. In Greek mythology, Zeus, who was a... A highly immoral God. Let me just say it that way. Zeus is a highly immoral God. He saw the daughter of the king of Sidon and Tyre. And looking at the daughter, he wanted her, but she was committed to marry another man. So somehow he turned her into a heifer. That's a, a small cow that has not had a calf yet. So this, this heifer. And he himself became a great, handsome bull. And she came by and saw this great, handsome bull, and she keeps messing with this great, handsome bull, and he steals her, seduces her, takes her to the Isle of Crete, and rapes her there. The pictures of that are always of a lady on a beast. So when he's going to share with them there is a lady on the beast, it's not going to be new, peculiar, unusual, unfamiliar to the people who are reading that. You follow where we're coming from? Now, let, let's get to, His name was Zeus. You know what her name was? Europa. The whole continent of the West is known as Europe. That's her name. Europe is a word which means the place where I hide. That word is Phoenician, Akkadian, Syrian. It's got a whole lot of things with it. It means the place where I hide. But there was another word which meant the place where I come from. That word was called Asu, or in some, Asia. That's the word we use for Asia and Europe. That means the center of the world is where you're looking from. So if you're, if you're living in the center of the world like Israel is, if it's coming from the east, it's Asia, it's Asia. If it's coming from the west, it's Europe. I think it's peculiar that the beast we're talking about is all about the west, where the Roman Empire was. It's all about European. History is connected and linear. It's riding on the wheels of human frailty. Letter B, God is the one stirring the seas to reveal the conspiracies. God is sovereign. Never give that up. It may fool the rest of the world, but it need, does not need to fool you. You can see where it's coming from. This thing is going to be a Western rebellion. It's coming from the Europe land mass. It will be involving Israel. Fear not any but God. 
since God is the one that's in, so, in sovereign control of this situation, don't be afraid of anything but God. Don't be afraid of whatever uh, group has decided they're going to reset the world to their own image. Don't be afraid of them. Sooner or later, that will all come down, and you can know this. Lord Jesus Christ is on his way. All right? Let me go further with you. Finally, so how do we live? Abide in Christ, kids. This is abiding in Christ. When you're letting this be what tells you what history is, this be what tells you what the future is, the God's word to tell you what's really going on, and stop being panicked about all the mythologies around you, then we'll be abiding in Christ. Further, pursue godliness. Try to look just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Pursue that with all your heart. And finally, love each other. God's got a plan for us, kids. And all of these things are a part of that plan. What you've read about are a part of what God is doing. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Today would be a great day to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's right now giving grace. Grace. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, for the way that you're going to do it in Jesus' precious name. I thank you, Father, for all these who've come this morning. For those who are listening by Facebook, I pray in Jesus' name, cause our hearts to be turned to Christ Cause us to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord for His grace. Aren't you glad that God is giving grace right now? These are horrible things that are going to be taking place. It's all a part of His judgment to come. Today is the day to escape that judgment. Today is the day to know that you can be fully forgiven, fully accepted, and brought into the family of God. Don't leave here without knowing that. Get that secure before you go. Uh, it's not just that you've got plenty of time left. You don't know what time you've got left. Anything can happen to you between now and tomorrow morning. You don't know that. So get it squared away today. A great day for it. And for those of you who got it squared away already, praise the Lord. Now let's abide in Christ. Let's let His Word be what speaks the truth to us. Let's go work with Him. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for Vacation Bible School and the opportunity to serve there. We pray that the gospel of this, this, this grace of God will be given to all those kids that will understand it. And wisely, Father, by your Holy Spirit, they will follow Christ. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the way you're going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.